What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs, your host here on Locked on Dolphins. It is Friday, April 1st, 2022. No April Fool's jokes to worry about here today on the show. Instead, we're looking at an updated look at where the Dolphins stand amongst the NFL's 32 teams as it pertains to spending power and salary cap space, as well as how at least one outlet stacks the Miami Dolphins versus the rest of the league after the first wave a free agency. Tap in, Locked On Dolphins. You, me, let's get after it. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs, your host here on Locked on Dolphins, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, director of scouting at thedraftnetwork.com, your host here on Locked on Dolphins. And I want to thank you guys for making Locked on Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. Today is Friday, April 1st. It's April Fool's Day. We already had the David Njoku fake trade request go out on Twitter, so I'm going to kindly ask you guys to keep your eyes peeled. And no knee-jerk reactions throughout the course of the day today because I guarantee you David Joku is not the only, and Joku is not going to be the only guy in the NFL who wants to have a little bit of fun on social media. So play it accordingly. But I, I promise you, I give you my word, no April Fool's cranks to be played here today on the show. Instead, I want to look at salary cap space. I want to look at cash that's been handed out. I want to look at the Dolphins and their distribution of talent, a potential uh, domino that may impact the Xavier Howard ongoing negotiations. So let's start with salary cap. Now, the current projected salary cap for 2022 is $208.2 million. That's the base. Teams can have more than that depending on what they choose to roll over year over year over year. But 208.2, that's the magic number. And the Miami Dolphins are right in the thick of the pack. As far as I'm concerned, they currently stand somewhere around $11 million in salary cap space. Depends on where you look. If you look at overthecap.com, it's 11.4. If you look at uh, Spotrack, it's it's closer to 11, right? But either way, uh, where does that rank amongst NFL teams? So I could tell you that there are four teams in the NFL with less than $2 million in cap space, including the Buffalo Bills with just $200,000 at their disposal. There are a grand total of six teams in the NFL with more than $20 million in available cap space. The Carolina Panthers, the Indianapolis Colts, the New Orleans Saints, the Houston Texans, and the Cleveland Browns, and the Philadelphia Eagles. Miami is in the bottom half of the league. They are 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14th from the bottom. Okay, so they're right in the thick of that pack. Uh, with those teams from probably, let's call it 11 through 18 is separated by like $2 million. Very congested group. Uh, but for the, from the Dolphins' perspective, uh, when you consider the additions that have been made, uh, the Tyreek Hills of the world, the Teron Armsteads of the world, the retaining of the Mike Iseckis of the world, and the Emmanuel Akbas of the world, uh, this is you know, pretty solid as far as continued negotiation of of dollars at your disposal and you know the cuts that they've made this is a pretty big key detail here uh, the cuts that the dolphins made 
in this stretch of time and choosing to cut Jesse Davis and cut or wave Alan Hearns with a failed physical, they've only incurred $1.4 million in dead cap space across since the start of the league calendar year. So this is another one of those areas when you kind of consider what the Dolphins have been doing over the last couple of years, the strategies that they've been implementing from a spending power and salary cap standpoint, you don't want to have a bunch of bad contracts that are hard to get out of that then limit your spending in any given year because you're paying out salary cap space to players who are no longer on your team because you deferred the guaranteed money. The Dolphins have done an excellent job of this going back to 2019 to guarantee that they have players with contracts that as they age, as those players age, they're not going to be locked in to detrimental money. So the moves that they have made, and there's a lot of meat left on the bone that this team can move on and get rid of additional cap. You know, we'll, we'll see ultimately what ends up happening with a guy like Eric Rowe, uh, who was phased out in the second half of last year. But they could cut Eric Rowe and gain an extra $4.5 million and only take on an additional $500,000 in dead cap. You could move on from a guy like Adam Butler, and I don't think that they necessarily will, but depending on what players end up being available in the draft, if they get to a point where that's a best player available that's simply good, too good to pass up on, I mean, that's $4.1 million. And he's in a contract here with no dead cap at your disposal. So well, as you really look across the rest of this roster, there are still ample opportunities for the Dolphins to clear out significant space if they wanted to uh, compromise some depth to make a splash. But I don't necessarily think that's something that we're going to see this team do. But I'm I'm pretty encouraged by how they've managed this offseason. And of course, their flexibility moving forward is going to be a little less. It's going to be a little different uh, because the Dolphins are not going to have the same level of flexibility due to the contracts given to the Emmanuel Agbas of the world and potentially another contract to the Xavier Howards of the world. And if they hammer out a long-term deal with Mike Gusecki and the Tyreek Hill deal, which is obviously a $25.5 million signing bonus in the Toronto Armstead deal, uh, which has large uh, dollar amounts of base salaries in the year to come. But um, Miami's current standing, uh, there's two different ways that you can choose to look at it. You can choose to look at this from a salary cap perspective, but there's also a more practical application in, in, in the minds of the players which is the cash spent perspective. And as we know, uh, one of the big points of emphasis for Xavier Howard has been wanting to be the highest paid defender on the team because he is the best defender on the team. Uh, but of course, that, um, that's been complicated. And I'll tell you why in just a minute. But this is a big weekend. College basketball has determined the top teams for the final four and will determine this year's national champion this coming week. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info from latest odds, contests, and player props. 
you name it. Bet Online remains the best spot for all your latest sports developments, including podcasts and reviews for all the leagues this season. And it's not just basketball. Bet Online is your continued source for your sports wagering information needs from live betting to your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet Online, where the game starts. The big sticking point in the Xavier Howard contract situation this past year was that he was not receiving compensation uh, that was tops on the defensive side of the football. That honor previously belonged to Byron Jones, a fellow cornerback Byron Jones. And of course, that, um, that was remedied by a contract restructure that the Dolphins provided to give a boost in pay uh, in the fall before the start of the season. They got Xavier Howard back in the building. Well, I'm looking at the cash, total cash, that's due to be given out to Miami Dolphins players this year. And Tyreek Hill, with a $25.5 million signing bonus, plus a base salary that's a million dollars. So this is a, make no mistake, a backloaded contract, and the guarantees are in the first three years of the deal. $26.6 million in cash for Tyreek Hill. Tops on the list. Byron Jones in the secondary, $14.35 million. He restructured $13.25 million. Now has a base salary of $1.1 million. Another effectively now more backloaded deal. Xavier Howard is at $13.7 million. Uh, He's got a small roster bonus. He's got about $13 million in base salary. Uh, So from that perspective, the discrepancy between Byron Jones and Xavier Howard is not large. It's less than $800,000. But there's a new big dog in town on the defensive side of the football. Emmanuel Agba has been paid a deal with an $8 million signing bonus, a nearly $5.5 million roster bonus this year, and a $4 million base salary this year. His total cash owed in 2022 is $17.35 million. That is the highest paid defensive player on the roster at this point in time in cash. So this is the big question I now have. Xavier, do you want to be the highest paid corner on the team? Or do you want to be the highest paid defender on the team? And I don't have that answer. This is simply speculatory. And kind of as I'm looking at this and realizing what the communication was between the team and Xavier last offseason versus what the current situation is. We know the Byron Jones pay was a, a sore spot, but is the Emmanuel Agba pay going to be a sore spot as well? Because if that's the case, you're not talking about a potential raise of $2 million. I mean, the discrepancy between those guys is more than twice that. It's nearly $5 million. So that's the big question that I now have with Xavier Howard is how important is that title of highest paid defensive player going to be to you? So while we don't know the answer to that question for Xavier Howard, one thing that we do know the question to is what the acceptable outcome here is going to be. And that's based on the the words and the vocabulary used by Miami Dolphins general manager, Chris Greer, when speaking 
specifically about Mike Gusecki. He said, Mike is a good player, but we try to keep good players. Well, you know, who's a good player, not just a good player, a great player. That's saving how. So them having the cap flexibility that they have and the ability to distribute cash, however they would like. And even if you look at the dolphins from a big picture perspective, right? Like how many long-term big fish does this team, no pun intended with fish, because we know they're mammals, you know, everybody else will refer to them as fish, but how many big fish from a cap perspective do the dolphins have on the roster moving forward? I'm glad you asked. Let's look to 2024 where, you know, the Miami will have some decisions to make for, from contracts perspective, but players that are under contract already in 2024, just two seasons from now, you know, you got to play 22, you got to play 2023. There's 16 players under contract. Your big fish. You are currently contractually committed to over that stretch of time. You have Teron Armstead. You have Byron Jones. You have Tyreek Hill. You have Jerome Baker. You have Emmanuel Agba. You have Xavier Howard. And you also have Jalen Waddell. And if you want to get technical, you know, Jalen Phillips is, is entering into his fourth year in that stretch of time. So that would be eight. And, but Jalen's not even going to get paid four and a half million dollars in his fourth year of his contract as compared to Jalen being a top six pick getting paid $8.6 million. They got eight big names and that that's the core nucleus of your roster. When you talk about the nucleus of your roster, these are the kinds of guys that you talk about. Now, Tua Tungvaloa is going to have a fifth year option that could be exercised for that year, but that depends on how the uh, rest of Tua Tungvaloa's first four years under contract with the Dolphins goes. They may end up choosing to go in a different direction. They may not. But you know, even a guy like Javon Holland is still under contract, and he's in the fourth and final year of his deal as currently scheduled in 2024. And he, as an early second round pick, is getting paid $2.7 million. So you forecast this thing out a couple of years, and Miami, while they, they've kind of locked in who the nucleus of the team is, who the core foundational players are, it's not as though they're really locked up and facing a bunch of bankroll and they're, they're going to be facing hardship to field the team. You kind of know who your premier players are, and that's not even to say, who knows what the salary cap is going to be in 2024. So the only unacceptable outcome here, based on Chris Greer's own words and vocabulary, talking about bringing Mike Gusecki back this season and potentially talking long-term contract extension with him, is to let Xavier Howard leave the team because you couldn't come to terms whether he wants to be paid more than Byron Jones or alternatively, he wants to be paid more than Emmanuel Agba as well. Now, we start getting into this thing where we do this every year. If Miami has a player that graduates to a higher pay scale and he automatically wants to be dropped in front of it, then you know, two years from now, we may need to have the conversation because Xavier will be over 30 years at that point in time. And obviously his pay, it's going to get an increase. And it's probably going to put him in the $18 million in cash range would be probably my guess what they end up settling on. Now, whether or not that's that's tied to availability bonuses like what they did with Teron Armstead or not, that's, that's a different story. But this is something that they, they're going to have to get ironed out and not just 
take the L at the cornerback position and transition away from Xavier Howard, you know, and, and really that comes down to the core of we are being aggressive. We are trying to win. You don't trade your best player when you're trying. So, you know, this question kind of comes up and floats around every single off season on, on, Hey, how, how do you account for the contract debate that's put in place? Well, the team is telling us what their mentality is right now, and that's really going to dictate what that is. One thing that I can tell you is that Built Bar is the most delicious protein bar on the market. Built Bar, protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. These things are high in protein, high in fiber, low in calories, low in sugar. They have 100% chocolate on all of their bars. And you can visit Built.com, use promo code LOCK15 and save 15% off your next order. That is built.com promo code lock 15 to save 15% on your next order of the world's most delicious protein bar. But enough about the cap, enough about Xavier Howard, enough about contract debates. Let's talk about uh, some disrespect for the Miami Dolphins in general. And we look now uh, to NFL.com for this week's Friday motivation. This is not an April Fool's joke, I promise. But here's the thing. You could look across any number of different outlets across the space, and NFL.com is, is technically the most respectful of the bunch. I looked at some off-season power rankings at this point in time. And uh, Miami checking in on the power rankings for NFL.com at 17. That's the bad news. Uh, here's the good news. They were 20th. So they've jumped three spots. But I guess this is where I, I struggle. Is Teron Armstead and Tyreek Hill are top 20 talents in the entirety of the NFL? And if you disagree with Teron Armstead, you can bump that out the top 40, and it's a comfortably safe assumption to make. You got two elite football players on that side of the ball. You've got a lot of youth that's going to continue to grow. You you got several quality additions, courtesy of the Dallas Cowboys offense with Cedric Wilson and Connor Williams. The offensive backfield's in as good of a shape in Miami as it's been in probably five, six years. But, of course, the, the commentary that's attached to Miami being ranked 17th and only up three spots comes down to one thing and one thing only, and that's that everybody has a question with Tua Tagovailoa. Dolphins are done. It's a, the commentary doesn't even match with the rankings, but that's fine. The Dolphins are done being an AFC also ran. That's the message that the team sent with back-to-back acquisitions of tackle Teron Armstead and wide receiver Tyreek Hill, two immense difference makers whose combined presence make, makes Miami a legit playoff contender. Okay, that's good. Now, remember, they ranked them 17th. Armstead provides a big lift to a suspect offensive line, while Hill's unmatched playmaking ability can change the career trajectory of Tungavaloa, the former first-round pick who's had hot and cold support from the organization. One subplot to watch is to his game a match with what makes Hill special. The wideout can make plays all over the field, but a big part of Hill of the Hill package is his ability to dust defenders with his vertical prowess. If Tua can't take advantage, it could be Teddy time sooner than you think, uh, which if the Dolphins are going to transition away from Tua Tagovailoa, I promise you it is not going to be for Teddy Bridgewater. Now, if Tua gets hurt this year and Teddy needs to play, then Teddy's going to play, and that's why you pay a quality backup quarterback. 
But the entire messaging of the team this offseason has been, we are trying to instill confidence in a young quarterback that got none from his previous coach over the last two years. We're going to try to provide him with system and infrastructure and talent to allow him to succeed and play with confidence. I can't foresee any outcome in which the Dolphins pull the chain on Tua for Teddy Bridgewater. You knew who Teddy was when you signed. You might as well go with a player in Tua who has a couple of traits and qualities that can be plus qualities you can hang your hat on. And for Tua, it's the foot quickness within the pocket to reset when he gets moved off his spot, his mobility to roll and throw on the move, his release quickness, and his accuracy inside of 15 yards. Those are areas for Tua that he is quality option at the quarterback position and can provide a net positive to your offense. Teddy Bridgewater is all reliable. He's going to go through his progressions, but he's not as fluid. He's not as mobile. He's not as quick twitch. His release is not as quick. And I would venture to say he's not as active. He's going to be more consistent. He, he might reduce the number of negative plays you take trying to create something big. But while the Dolphins' offense last year didn't have a lot of explosive plays, I promise you the offense would have less with Teddy than it would with Tua. So I guess to to put a bow on this and to to take us into the weekend, uh, as you move forward, don't be surprised that this narrative continues to exist. Uh, It's one of those things that's always going to be there until the player in question either proves one way or another, that it can't or can't happen. But it's going to have to happen with consistency for the narrative to go away. Whether you're pro Tua or anti Tua, if you're listening to this podcast, you're pro Dolphins. We should want him to have success. We should want this infrastructure to work. And if it does, then we'll be sitting in a place this time next year where hopefully. We're talking about having a quarterback we have a lot greater consensus confidence in as a player, and you have two first-round picks to work with, and hopefully the San Francisco 49ers get stuck in the mud big time. They go belly up, and we have a high first-round pick to work with, which, hey, maybe we'll trade it for another two or three and keep that Laramie Tunsil gift that just keeps giving uh, and kick it, kick it down the road a couple more years as well. Hope you guys enjoyed this conversation. Kyle Krabs, Locked On Dolphins. Make sure you keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins, your team every day. We don't just say it. We live it. Fins up. Have a great weekend. I'll talk with you guys again on Monday.